Welcome to episode 213 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hey. It is Monday night, September 18th. And tonight we're going to do a little directorial talk. A little Star Wars Episode Nine change up. A little potential Man of Steel 2 coming along. And if we have time at the end... We're going to cover my beef with this year's candy corn craze. But before we get into any of that, we're going to talk housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. McSauce.com. We're talking comics. We're talking podcasts. We're talking comic book reviews. All on McSauce.com. You can go to our Facebook page, type in MCSOSS, and you will find the fan page for the McSauce webcomic podcast everything that we do all the all the outlets that we have that's a lot of entertainment Ian how much uh, will the listeners need to um, pay for all that kind of entertainment all that entertainment you would say hey charge me 20 bucks a month charge me a hundred dollars a month we give it to you all for the fair price of free <laughs> but if you want to leave a review on iTunes, as just payment, by all means, go you, hook us up. You absolutely can do that. We are all, us three here in the McSauce Studios, the listenership, we are all part of the McSauce grassroots effort to get your favorite podcast heroes into onto a bigger stage, bigger audience, be part of the worldwide podcast landscape. And we can't do it without listenership help yes it's the key to all of our successes so spread the word actually that's what you can do for us don't donate money go and give us a great review talk about us on twitter hashtag mcsauce go to our instagram page you can tag us there you can talk to us on facebook tell a friend tell your mom Tell her all about us. She'll love us. Some moms are probably more receptive to the things we do here than others. No, possibly. But yeah, if you uh, if you know anybody that would like a podcast about pop culture, comic books, general yelling and arguing, if if any of you out there like that, I I suspect that all of you like that kind of stuff. If you're listening to us, uh, tell tell somebody about us. Last week, uh. <laughs> The the Star Wars guillotine <laughs> ripped through has swung again. <laughs> ripped through the Star Wars ranks once again, and this time the victim was Colin Trevorrow. Is that uh, how you say it? It's not Trevorrow. I've been saying Trevorrow. I've heard. I've heard, I've both. heard Kevin Smith say it three different ways in five minutes. <laughs> I think it's. I've heard Trevorrow the most. Up until this firing, it was always Colin Trevorrow to me. He is British, so maybe it is Trevorrow. Oh, is he British? I didn't know that. I don't either. I that thought seems he was like a lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is he not British? No, I don't know. I have no idea. So we don't know how to say his name or where the hell he's from. But what we do know, Paul, that he's uh, is not going to he... work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Please write off, in, uh, write in on our Facebook page if you got that reference. He came off uh, Jurassic World King shit. 
He's American, yeah. by the way. He is. <laughs> well, then it's Trevorrow. <laughs> Facts, the enemy of the Mix Sauce podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Colin Trevorrow had a great outing with Jurassic World. Everyone loved what he did. Uh, so they threw him right on episode nine, and I don't even know how far they would be with episode nine at this point that they're like, we don't like what you're doing. <laughs> like they can't change. They isn't there still time to change it at this point and kind of work Colin Trevorrow into the Disney star Wars plan. Doesn't it seem really earlier? Am I really mis- misinformed? It's like they got uh, much like last week in my bloodlust. Kathleen Kennedy just got, she, she got thirsty for some director blood after who's Kathleen Kennedy. Isn't that Ka- Kathleen Kennedy? Isn't she the Lucasfilm um, head honcho? Is, yes. Is that right? Yeah. I think oh, Matt okay. just wants to make sure you're informing the audience. Oh, okay. Sorry, audience. Kathleen Kennedy, head of Lucasfilm, uh, basically the overseer of all things Star Wars at this point, fired the directors for the Han Solo solo movie. I can't remember their names but, okay, off the top hold of on my a head. Second. Let's go through her, her um, decapitations. From the the body that is uh, Lucasfilm, right. So, <clears throat> first one was the writer Michael Arndt, who she hired. She was like, "You aren't writing that shit." <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Arndt, the writer of a little indie flick called Little Miss Sunshine, uh, was tapped to, to um, write the episode seven story based on George Lucas's story which I think was going along just fine until Kathleen Kennedy at the same time was able to hire J.J. Abrams. Like she asked him once, he turned her down and then I think she went back and gave it another shot and somehow convinced him to come on board. Well, he apparently didn't really like the story that Michael Arndt had going on. And he also decided to bring on board, uh, Star Wars veteran Lawrence Kasdan, who co-wrote The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And I guess the two of them, J.J. Abrams and and Lawrence Kasdan, couldn't seem to align their story with Michael Arntz, and eventually they had Michael Arntz fired. Off with his head. Right. So I wish we had a sound effect right here. (laughs) (laughs) So from what I understand... uh, from what I understand, writers get fired all the time. It's especially high profile on a Star Wars project, and we didn't hear about it previously because George Lucas was the one that was writing all the stories, and he's not going to fire himself. Although, he did bring in some help on the prequels. After the first one, he brought in a guy named Jonathan Hale, if you remember, to kind of doctor up that script, which coincidentally has the worst writing of all the Star Wars movies. And then... I believe so that's, that script was it was like a Dr. Kevorkian of that script. Yeah, right. Uh and I believe Carrie Fisher helped out with episode 3. Oh yeah? Huh. I believe. Uh well, but it this also is was McSauce- a little bit of a different time too it, with the media cycles and Yeah, right. And also, I could be wrong, this is McSauce Convo podcast. Facts are you know, Fluid. Facts have the value of one one thousandth of a cent around the McSauce comic book podcast parts. But There's some wiggle room in those facts. Yeah, we 
our facts are a little fluid. Uh, but Michael Arndt getting fired is a fact. That's a hard fact. Uh, who was next after Michael Arndt's firing? Well, then Gareth Edwards suffered not a beheading, but possibly a lashing with a cat. Is it the cat <laughs> ten, of nine tails or something? It was, it was 10 know. lashes. 10 lashes. He received 10 lashes and also had from somebody. The, from the Kathleen O'Nine tails. Oh. Now, who is, Paul, who's Gareth Edwards? Gareth Edwards directed uh, Godzilla of the famous uh, Ian and Mac Godzilla bet here on the McSauce podcast. Oh no, Ian, he can, ate up my wallet. Ian, where can, <laughs> <laughs> where can listeners find those episodes where we talk about that bet? McSaucePodcast.libson.com. All the old archived oldies but goodies. All right, so uh, Gareth Edwards gets hired to direct the... Um, the, the very first spinoff Star Wars movie, and they wanted a grittier, more like war, I, I don't know, like a war story kind of take, like Saving Private Ryan meets Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I think he delivered that. But Lucasfilm and Disney were like, hey, you know, I don't know if we want to change the tone that much here because The Force Awakens just made us like <laughs> a few billion dollars. Now, my numbers might not be precise there, give or take a billion. Fluid, fluidity. So, I think he didn't, he delivered what he was expected to, but I think they changed their mind on what they wanted halfway through. They said, hey, we're going to bring in this guy named Tony Gilroy, who's going to direct all the pickup shots, which by all accounts is about 40 to 60% of the movie. That's why the movie is nothing like the tr the first trailer that we saw. Virtually, I think over one half of the trailer isn't in the movie, which is crazy. Yeah, the way yeah. it's recut. Um, but uh, Tony Gilroy essentially finished the movie, but Gareth Edwards said okay. He didn't pout like a baby. He's a huge Star Wars fan, and he still wanted to be attached to it. And he probably kept the door open for future uh, possibilities. He knows to direct other checks. Right. So he and he knows that word of mouth also can probably make or break your career. Sure. And he didn't want to seem like a crybaby. Right. This guy's, still, a, this guy's a team player. Still got credit for directing the film. Right. Graciously steps aside, lets Tony Gilroy come in and do what he does. And then we get Rogue One. Uh, Paul, what was the next uh, decapitation in the Lucasfilm line of um, severings? Was the next decapitation the Han Solo project? Yes. I, yeah, I guess it was. Why do my Why am I thinking there's another one kind of mixed well, in there? Ryan Johnson um, is the director of the uh, episode eight, yeah. the Last Jedi. Yeah. And there haven't been really any rumblings of any problems with his oh production or anything. Here, like I got that, one. So I got one. Okay. Our friend. Um, Oh, yeah. Josh Ms. Trank. Well, yeah. Okay, I wasn't going there, but Josh oh. Trank was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Josh Trank was the guy that they let go, I think, before they let Michael Arndt go. Or maybe right around the same time. Hmm. You know who Josh Trank is, Paul? I do. He did uh, the most recent Fantastic Four remake. When we right. went to see which, it in theaters, is, that represents the number of people that were viewing it. So. Four. 
It was us three and a <laughs> random lady. girl. That girl, yeah. I felt so bad for her because she... So when we went to this movie, it was literally like the three of us and this one girl that was by herself watching this movie. And I kind of thought that she was there to kind of laugh at it and and enjoy it on its badness. Because going in, everybody pretty much knew it wasn't going to be that good. But she said, no, she's into these movies and she was there to enjoy it. And I, I, I don't know. I feel almost more let down for that girl than any other fan that went to see it. Uh, and, and I don't know why specifically her, but, but I almost feel like, like Josh Trank really owes that poor girl an apology. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, Fantastic Four was the movie that got Josh Trank fired from Star Wars. Now the movie that got him hired in the first place was a little indie film called Chronicle, which is one of those like found footage style movies, but it was about superheroes. So it was a very kind of earnest take on teenage kids getting superpowers and what they would do with it in that found footage handheld cam kind of thing. And it was, you guys saw it, right? I have yet to see Chronicle. I've heard good things, but I can't track it down. I've seen it's, it. it's one of those good. films that... Oh, really? Um, it's It's... No longer on any streaming services, blockbuster, RIP. So it's mm-hmm. just difficult to find it. Um, I'll get it for you. I I think I have a a digital file of it somewhere. But so Josh Trank also got dumped. Josh and, Trank got dumped, and we're up to he was the the initial beheading, and we we're like, oh, okay, that happens. And then you know, you could almost argue that George Lucas was one of the initial. <laughs> Uh, firings because he was we were told he was going to be a consultant they were going to basically use his story uh, once he realized that they really weren't going to and I think what they were doing was essentially placating him by saying hey this is what we're doing and he realized "Ah, that's nothing like what I wanted to do what actually that's not entirely true apparently George Lucas created um, the stormtrooper that becomes a good guy that becomes Finn, mm-hmm. uh, who based on the art of um, the Force Awakens was a I think a blonde haired white dude originally, yeah. and I think they were they once they did some of the casting I think they were sort of angling to have Poe be that or or to have um, Poe was Oscar, Oscar Isaac be that character and then I think through just pre production they kind of reconfigured some of that but i think the character of poe was supposed to be that stormtrooper oh okay okay interesting uh they did have originally have a female lead she was going to be the jedi you know the main character that was lucas and there was a character called the jedi killer who they hadn't worked out exactly who that was they didn't have a look for him initially it, it took a lot of a lot of work to kind of nail down the kylo ren character but he started out as the Jedi killer and that was Lucas from based on the art of star Wars book. But, um, I think the story was significantly different Mm. ultimately. So anyway, Lucas, I guess he kind of stepped away himself, but you could consider him a firing Josh Trank, um, kind of Gareth Edwards, um, Michael Arndt, Michael Arndt. Uh, what about, um, 
what's the guy's first name? Desplat, the the right the music composer. Uh, he was, that's your Anders. area. I'm not sure. Anders or something. Yeah. He was going to write the music for Rogue One, and then about, I I want to say like two <laughs> months, three months before the movie, he, I think he stepped away. I think he. he him and Lucas mutually decided to go their separate ways, very much like the way it was, um, it was basically explained. Um, Colin Trevorrow had like creative differences, like mutually decided to, you know, end the relationship. But, um, so he leaves and then they bring in Michael Giacchino, who has a strong, history of working with J.J. Abrams and other movies kind of like this. He did the Star Trek soundtrack. He was a, a pretty natural fit for Star Wars, although I think he delivered a a relatively forgetful Star Wars soundtrack. Um, I'm, I'm not sure Desplat would have delivered anything better, but um, I think we got a just an okay soundtrack out of Giacchino. Um, so that brings us to Oh, then they got rid of the Lego movie guys. Lord and Miller. Yeah, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And the thing about that firing is that it happened about a week before uh, principal filming was to come to a close, which is kind of... I'll, it's, it's irregular that you would let a director or directors go through with their vision all the way up until the final week and then let them go bring in an entirely new um, a, a new director, Ron Howard, and film these reshoots and change out actors. They've done things yeah. like altered characters that were planned to be CG characters and replaced them with real actors. It seems like there's a lot of... like They're basically reshooting the movie is what I'm taking from well, it. From- from all accounts, that sounds like a good thing because it yeah. sounds like the tone of that movie was going to be disastrous. Uh, you know, I, I feel like if you want to experiment with Star Wars, maybe go into another era of, you know, the timeline Don't and certainly don't do it with um, existing characters. Yeah. You know, don't give me the slapstick version of a character in this movie, but the regular version in this movie. That's just, if you want to do something like that, maybe reserve it for cartoons or something like that. They were saying that the olden Aaron Reich, his take on Han Solo was closer to Ace Ventura, pet detective, which in a way makes me want to see, like make the, make the movie properly. Ron Howard, professional, make the right movie. But then I also want to see those deleted scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds, well, they're going to, they're going to show up one of these days. It's so crazy to me that the tones could be so different that that is not squashed. At the first line of dialogue, he speaks as Han Ventura. As soon as Han's like, (laughs) you know. How does that get all the way to the end of principal photography? Like, who's like... You know, like, who's running the ship over there? Yeah, as soon as Han's like, really? <laughs> they should have shut the whole production as, down. As soon as Han crawls out of a Dubax asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck it, I'd go see that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I want to I see this. I want to see how how crazy it was because it's it's so bizarre. Like, you get the, 
like um you know with like Michael Arndt the Michael Arndt situation where they just wanted different things from the story just kind of on the same page same tone telling a Star Wars story just different stories that they couldn't they couldn't uh, you know justify together and the Colin Trevorrow thing sounds like it was sort of the same yeah uh, yeah but like this Han Solo business like oh my lord like it's so it sounds so bonkers and if you're like i know alden ehrenreich is younger you know he's not the spry 39 years old like myself that <laughs> like if someone was like hey you're gonna play han solo i'm gonna do my best to honor harrison ford and han solo and like the character he created like i could i wouldn't even think to go out of the box and be like you know what I bet Han Solo would be, would be cool as the cable guy. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it, it is. All right, I, Chewie, it, get her done. It makes me wonder if um, if Lord and Miller are going to get a credit. I guess they'll probably get a credit on uh, the Han Solo movie. It'll probably say directed by Lord Miller and Ron Howard. Mm, I don't know. Well, let me tell you this. You, I don't know if you noticed but in the credits at the end for uh the force awakens michael arndt has one of the writing credits jj yeah. hmm. abrams lawrence, lawrence kasdan and michael arndt could be then maybe so yeah um so the most recent firing is colin trevorrow and they said that there were creative differences and they decided to go their their opposite ways and i i realized that that's that's you know kind of public speak for he was fired. Uh, we did not like what he had going for our vision for Star Wars. And I have a theory. I believe that everything was going just fine. Mm -hmm. And then Carrie Fisher decides to go on OD and kill herself by accident. And that completely changed the trajectory of the story. How are they going to handle Princess Leia? And... um. What's that going to do to the story going forward? And I think suddenly there's problems between what Lucasfilm has in mind to do as far as wrapping up this trilogy and what Colin Trevorrow wants to do. Yeah. Because I'm sure after Carrie Fisher died, the story changed. It has to have, right? Right. Um, but wouldn't that be more because it wasn't Trevorrow working with Ryan Johnson's script that... I mean, I'm sure he had no, no, to... No, 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 no. No? Ryan Johnson didn't write episode nine. Colin Trevorrow was writing episode oh, nine. Oh, I thought, I thought Ryan Johnson wrote both of those That's, films. I believe, what they originally okay. said when they hired him. But it, as it turns out, Colin Trevorrow was writing and directing this movie. And after Carrie Fisher died, and it seemed like him and Lucasfilm weren't aligned, they were bringing on other... Um, other writers to help out. There was a guy named Jack something who came in to help do a draft. And I guess Lucasfilm still wasn't on board. And ultimately they were like, Hey, we got to move forward with this movie. And yeah. as a result, because they fired him and they hired somebody else, they had to push the movie back, uh, seven months. Yeah. Which I guess I can live with that. Right. I mean, I've also heard that Colin Trevorrow is a difficult hang. He's he's a tough guy to 
deal with on set. He has a lot of ideas that might not have flown well with everybody. And he was doing a similar thing on Jurassic World. He's sort of a young, up-and-coming director with maybe only one feature film under his belt at that time. But since Spielberg sort of hand-selected him, nobody could give really any pushback. But Kathleen Kennedy clearly gives no fucks and just off with his head. She does. <laughs> what kind of lightsaber does she have? Double double bladed, so she can get more uh, more head chopping in. No, it's some kind of axe. It's a lightsaber. No, she's axe. More lightsaber like, axe. Yeah. She's more like the emperor, where she just like points a finger, and then someone else comes out and cuts their heads off. Uh. Yeah, you know, and like. It was kind of nice when George Lucas was just doing everything because when something went wrong, there was an easy place to point a finger. <laughs> but like now, like, and, and at least like we were getting, we were getting one story. We were getting, we were getting the story from the creator. Mm-hmm. It Like no matter if we liked it or not, this was this one guy's vision of this universe that he created but now, like, it's fucking chaos. Like, we're bringing in people, we're cutting people, some people are writing this, some people are writing this, but it's all still yeah. canon. It's like, this, like, all these, all these firings, and I know, like, these days with social media and, you know, the way the, the uh, pop culture media is all over everything that this wasn't something we were getting in the in the, the late nineties. But this is this does not display a vote of confidence for Disney's Star Wars. Um now with that said, we liked both of the movies that we've that we've gotten to see so far. Um so I don't know. I mean right. I, I think that Rogue One, whatever changes they made, it still produced a movie that I think we were all happy with. Yeah, I mean, if we had access to the making of the movie in 1999 that we do today, there would probably be a lot more stories about turmoil on the set. Uh, I remember that there was one during a stunt where uh, I think a spark or something went in Natalie Portman's eye and the, the, the stunt guy that was responsible for setting up the effect got fired and that was about the extent of the drama on the set that was reported but i'm sure there were more but just given the you know the age of social media that we're in every little tidbit kind of like makes it out that you know can i i kind of agree paul that i it was cool when it was under one creator i think that certainly episode seven would have been a lot less derivative if Lucas had made it. Uh, I I really wish that we could know what that story was, and I'm sure I really believe that if it was his story, but directed by a different guy, that would have been the best case scenario for fans. Um, I think the prequels would have also benefited from that because I I don't think they're bad stories. There's just a lot of um, like extraneous. Um, what's the word? Extraneous. Extraneous kind of nonsense mm-hmm. especially in the second one but um as it as it is i think that we have been treated to two pretty good star wars movies um and by most accounts better than the previous three 
and <clears throat> whether there's drama leading up to it or not, I guess I really don't care. And, you know, it, it sounds like aside from the initial kind of figuring out who the, the team is, it's going to make episode seven, the force awakens. There really wasn't any kind of drama, uh, there once JJ basically took over and you could say the same about episode eight with Ryan Johnson. There hasn't been a peep about, you know, any kind of bullshit on the set. Um, yeah, I think if, if we get to see a really solid episode eight, a lot of this other drama and, you know, TMZ star Wars stuff, things that are just like hearsay and rumor and, and all this other stuff that's going to melt away if we oh, get a, yeah. if we get another film that we're really happy with mm-hmm. because ultimately Kathleen Kennedy is while there's she's not a director she's the producer and behind the scenes pulling the strings and guiding this whole franchise to in a way that I think she would she thinks that represents Star Wars and she's been around right. forever so she's she's at least a good steward of this property Paul, do you think, do you believe the reports that Colin Trevorrow was hard to work with and that he wasn't all that great of a guy, all that great of a guy to work with? Do you believe the reports that he was a little bit of a diva on set and things like that? Or do you think that his firing truly comes down to creative differences? I have no idea. Um, I'd lean creative differences because it's all, it's all hearsay. Like they, there was an anonymous source from Jurassic World that said that about um, you know him wanting his way with things, and or maybe it, it wasn't an anonymous source from Jurassic World. It was just a in, a business insider. It was uh, that said that after Jurassic World took off, like anonymous executive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Said he you know, spent a great deal of his creative energies on asserting his opinions. And, you know, like, sure, like, that's some, that's just some guy's opinion. Well, um, that's just like, you know, maybe your opinion, man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That That's true. But, you know, catch, catch me on a certain day. You know, I'm going to slam Matt anonymous, anonymously to the media. Catch me on another day, and I'm going to sing his praises and say he never should have been fired from directing episode nine. So, who the fuck knows? I like what he did with Jurassic World. So, if he's going to tell a completely new story and show me brand new things that I haven't seen in the Star Wars universe, then I'd be happy with that. There's also... Oh, sorry. I was just going to... Paul mentioned Jurassic World. Something that I've noticed with the internet trolls is that... Apparently that movie is a piece of shit, which is crazy because I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was great fun. I guess it was a little bit derivative of the original, you know, in a way. But that's kind of the point. Like, that was the one that worked. Like, it only makes sense to kind of go back. Maybe let's see what, you know, John Hammond's vision realized 25 years later, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and actually see what Jurassic Park was supposed to become. I think that actually it was the right thing to do. Like all the people that bitch and moan about that movie being not good. What do you want? Well, also you're in the star Wars universe. You're in the fucking universe. You can do a billion different things. Jurassic 
Park, Jurassic World, it's about one things. Dinosaurs loose on Earth. In one Speci- park, pe- under, yeah, specifically, specifically in a one park. island right. on Earth. Like, what it's the fuck everywhere. else are you going to do with that? Yeah, it it just, it. I find it really, really bothersome the way people, it, it, there's, I feel like there's a strong amount of character assassination going on with guys like when they get fired from projects, you know, and, and. All the bullshit star flying about Josh Trank when he got fired. Meanwhile, you see him in interviews. He seems like kind of cool, but you hear stories where from he's... From Fantastic Four? No, when he got fired from Star Wars, people, all oh, the stories then that. come out mm-hmm. about how insufferable he was on the set of Fantastic Four. He would bring his dog, and the dog would like... Sh- but his parts were the, the good parts. We think... We, we don't know anything, though. Everything is like hearsay. It's speculation. What I can I tell you is... I it was pretty clear with Fantastic Four that like all of all of the build-up, all of the kind of boring science-y parts leading up to the big battle, that was all his. Well, and then once like Doom becomes Doom and storms the facility, and then they're fighting on like in the other dimension. I think the Doom storming the facility, that that's one of his pieces. Yeah. That's one of his pieces too. How do you guys that know was, what was him and what was? I've heard him talk in an interview before about okay. the Doom scene and how that was something that he envisioned. That was the I best know, part of the movie by the way. It it was, and but I know what you mean, Paul, like the blue light in the sky final battle scene seemed really outside well, of then, like what well, Josh Trank was brought to this. I've also read that the studio wasn't happy with how low key this movie was. They needed a, a big, big fight scene, boss fight at yeah. the end, and like the way Josh Trank had worked the script and his story, it just didn't really involve that. So, but it, there's a big difference between being derivative from Jurassic Park to to Jurassic World. It's a much smaller environment. There's only so many things you can do with it. And don't say bring the fucking dinosaurs to San Diego because that shit was dumb. But when you're going from A New Hope to The Force Awakens, I mean, the the story possibilities are almost endless. Coming out of Return of the Jedi 30 years later, what are we doing? And instead, they just, like, I like The Force Awakens. I don't like it as much as I did when I first saw it. I think there's a lot of loose threads going on there, but... Yeah, it's just, yeah, these beats are similar to these beats. So I, I think The Force Awakens should be beat beat up a little more for being derivative than Jurassic World should be. Uh, Yeah, probably. I think it's even more derivative than, than uh, Jurassic World is mm-hmm. because, I mean, just like, um, you know, loner character from a desert world, but it's not the same Finds desert world. Finds a droid that's not hers. Like, like it's, how... That's just too much, right? It's just too much. Like, Another I don't know. Death when I, Star. And I know that George Lucas was all about kind of repeating those kind of themes throughout his, his movies. And, you know, the, there's a lot of mirroring that goes on and things like that. But he was able to like it or hate it with episode one. It wasn't like, it didn't feel like this weirdo kind of like alternate universe version of the first Star Wars. Yeah. It, it did feel fresh and new and then it went in its own direction and it gave that character his own arc again love it or hate it but it was his own arc as opposed to the hero in the in the other trilogy um and they always say you know star wars is like poetry it rhymes 
well, it rhymes, but it doesn't have to be the same word. Like, the same word rhymes with <laughs> yeah, the same right. word, but let's use a different word. Right, right. But, so anyway, J.J. Abrams is the guy that they brought in to direct the, the new mm-hmm. episode nine, the new Star Wars, the one that's coming after the new Star Wars. In 2019? December of 2019, which, you know, feels like far away, but hey, we still have episode eight coming yeah. before then, so yeah. it'll... We have and Han Solo Solo. Ron Howard saved Han Solo. Well, here's movie the interesting them. thing, right? With the with the directorial shakeup of the Lord and Miller firing and bringing in Ron Howard, I was convinced that there is no way that movie is going to stay on track for its May 2018 release date. No way. It's just not going to happen. That's totally getting pushed to December 29 or December 2018. Oh, I guess that could happen still, right? It could. Yeah, yeah that's what's going to happen. Spot. Okay. They so that'll get pushed to yet. December. Yeah. This December, we have The Last Jedi. Next mm-hmm. December, we're going to have Han Ventura. Then December 20th. <laughs> when nature, when the galaxy calls. Yeah, right. And then, uh, then the December after that, we'll have the final Star Wars. I actually, Paul, like you, I think that The Force Awakens some of the issues have become more glaring in repeat viewings and it could basically resolve itself. Well, not completely, but it could really take care of itself if the payoff in the next two movies are solid. I actually think it's probably a pretty good thing that the guy that got the ball in motion is also the guy that gets to wrap up the story. I've been saying that for a long time that the strength of the force awakens has a lot to do with how they handle the next two movies. Um, unfortunately, the guy they're getting to finish the trilogy is the guy that cannot stick a landing to save his life. Yeah, it's not his for- his forte is his forte get is the not, party started. Right, it's not closing up stories and making this a uh, making this Cohesive. a finished tale. Yeah, a satisfactory yeah, I, finish. I've seen a lot of people suggesting that Ryan Johnson should have finished it. And it's like, well, maybe, but why are we... But we don't know. Like, Looper was all right. Look, I have interest in seeing Looper because... Weren't there also a billion plot holes in Looper? I don't know, but I never saw Looper. Yeah, yeah. Well, time travel, you just open the door for loopholes, right? But I never saw Looper, but I kind of want to because Ryan Johnson did it and he's making Star Wars now. If... Ryan Johnson was not making a Star Wars movie. I would still have no interest in seeing that movie. I thought it looked lame when I saw the trailers. I still think it's probably lame. Uh, It's just the fact that the novelty of the fact that the guy that made Star Wars made it. Looper was a cool sci-fi movie. The weirdest thing is looking at Joseph Gordon-Levitt with that weird face (laughs) prosthetic the whole time. Uh, It's never natural. No. And here's something that's kind of uh, interesting. You know, like, just because a guy makes Star Wars doesn't mean that his other stuff is any good. You know, like, Irvin Kirshner, the guy that directed arguably the best Star Wars out of all of them, also made RoboCop 2. Hmm. That's a bad one. If Matt doesn't like RoboCop 2, it's certainly not good. RoboCop 2 was kind of awful. Matt, I saw a picture today. Little offside, little RoboCop offside here, of a fan at a photo, sh- a f- a, you know, meet and greet with Peter Weller. Yeah, 
Who's Peter Weller, Paul? Peter Weller played RoboCop in the original RoboCop movies. And, and this, in RoboCop 2. And this Irving girl's Kirshner's shirt RoboCop said, two. remember when RoboCop shot a guy in the dick? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That was pretty funny. I I'd buy that, that for a dollar. Yeah. Oh, oh! If you guys that's gonna do it for us tonight. <laughs> if you guys happen to see that shirt up, I will accept it for my birthday. That's uh, that's for all of you fans out there. So, Remember, whenever I said at the top, we don't take the donations. I lied. We take T-shirt donations. Well, that T-shirt. t-shirt that sounds like a good one. So, uh, are we? Happy or not happy with J.J. Uh, Abrams being the guy? He's not only going to direct this movie, he's going to write it now. He's going to write the 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 end chapter to uh, possibly the, the final saga film, the one that kind of ends the whole shebang, the whole Luke Skywalker arc. Um, I like that they are... They brought somebody to bring some consistency. The guy that was responsible for episode seven, maybe he can tie some of those loose ends that you guys mentioned up in the final film if they don't get tied together in the middle section. However, as we just referenced before, it's not his 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 claim to fame isn't ending things and making people feel satisfied with the J J Abrams <laughs> is all about the Irish goodbye. <laughs> Life of the party, and all of a sudden, nobody knows where he's at. So, on on with that, um, I think that maybe maybe they could have got somebody different, but they seem well, who, to be in alert. Do, you, if do you I have Kathleen a, Kennedy? If you were Ian Kennedy, oh boy! If you replaced Frank Marshall as Kathleen Kennedy's look what, Matt, look what you're doing right now. You are inviting the bloodlust. <laughs> no, no, I'm I not can't get any blood lustier than I'm Ken- asking. Who would you hire if you what were did you in say complete about Kathleen control? Kennedy's I can't dry get, pussy? I, I can't get any more blood lustier than her. She's been taking heads left and right, man. Okay, so you I, you fire you fire Colin Trevorrow. You need a director. The entire stable of Hollywood is at your beck and call. Who I really, I honestly don't have anyone. Right at the the top of my head, I, I don't know. Terrible president of Lucasfilm, Ian. You're not uh, yeah, I know. Long. I would be fired as well. Um, who would you put in there? Are you happy with this? I'm not unhappy, by the way. I, I think that um, it could work out fine. The more I think about it, the more I think this is the perfect choice. Yeah. Because I I do think that the strength of uh, Episode Seven and this trilogy will hinge very much on the final chapter. I think episode eight is going to have a lot of cool stuff in it and it's going to be great entertainment, but it, from a story perspective, I think we're, we're going to, we will probably have even uh, more questions than we did after episode seven, after we see episode eight. I, I do have somebody. If I have uh, unlimited okay. budget. Well, hold on. We'll come back to you, but I'm still going. So, Sorry. uh, have some I, of that, Ian. We'll come to you. You'll get your, your fair turn. I thought you were done. Go uh, ahead. No. So what I like is that I think J.J. Abrams is the kind of guy that's going to listen to the feedback. You know, like he acknowledged how he kind of blew it on that final scene where Chewbacca casually 
walks past Princess Leia after Han Solo is murdered and and it's a weird shot. It's not addressed and he's like, yeah, I probably should have cropped that a little differently. He, he is aware of the criticisms. I'm sure he's heard that it's derivative of A New Hope. He's not, you know, the internet backlash was, oh, I guess we're going to get Return of the Jedi 2.0. Probably not. I think he's going to certainly make it different enough. He's going to be careful as to not repeat that yeah, mistake. Yeah, I thought, I thought that snap judgment was the lowest hanging fruit. From internet trolls? Yeah. Huh, that's so weird. Normally they take the high They're road. They're very well thought out, and they have their facts together. But internet trolls, much like the McSauce podcast, deal with fluid facts. Ian, who's the, who's the director that you would choose? He was somebody that George Lucas wanted to go to back for Return of the Jedi. He didn't have an opportunity to work on it. Steven Spielberg, I think, would be a, a solid selection, um, a good director that knows how to make a blockbuster. He invented the blockbuster with the excellent movie Jaws. So, I thought you were going to say Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Isn't Jaws like considered the first blockbuster? Well, yeah, and it, it also came out before... Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So yeah, I think Steven. I think that that would be be... a really solid choice. And you know, J.J. Abrams is a lot like Steven Spielberg. Yeah, he takes a lot of his 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 um, inspiration from the Spielberg movies of the seventies. So yeah, I think that would be my my choice. Paul, do you have someone that you would? If you're Paul Kennedy, um, no, I like I like J.J. a lot. I don't know if I'd go to Steven Spielberg right away like I know what his resume looks like but it's pretty by good the time it's a good it one is. what was the last good movie he made um I don't know I don't know off the top what of my was head it? I don't know Saving Private Ryan 1998 I, I never saw he, Saving Private didn't he Pri- do Minority Report that was really um, good oh I didn't Minority like Minority Report, Report. was good I, I like that yeah. uh like I I don't I War of the Worlds was good. Minority I like that. I never saw War of the Worlds. Um, but I think by the time we get into episode nine, there's going to be a lot of corralling of, like, it's, it's going to be hurting cats of bringing all this story to a satisfying close. And Steven Spielberg's best work is... Not a, not a cat herder. Is, right. He, he takes one story and he tells it amazingly. Like, I think, I don't know if he's the right guy to bring all of this stuff that's currently out there from The Force Awakens. Some of that might get tied up. We may get more from The Last Jedi. I don't know if he's the right guy to bring all of that stuff comfortably together. I feel like we're going to get a lot of answers in The Last Jedi. I think a lot of stuff is going to be I hope so. I I hope that it's not like this trilogy doesn't turn out to be some kind of tease where the answer's revealed at the end. You no. know, like, like, I don't want that to be the ending or the payoff. I like JJ. I like his tone. I like the energy of his movies. Um, I like that they're not incredibly dour and serious. Force Awakens was probably, like, probably could have done with a little more serious, serious bits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like JJ. Hopefully. He is taking note of uh, what he did wrong, and you know what what fans he, are saying—not internet trolls, but just fans. And he's he going to course correct like a little bit for this last episode. You know, like I want to say, 
George Lucas didn't listen to the fans. You know, he didn't, people criticized X, Y, or Z, and then he didn't care. He still made what he wanted to make. But at the same time, people bitched and moaned about Jar Jar Binks. In the second one, he's in it for like three minutes. And then in the final one, he's in it for like two seconds and doesn't even make a sound. So, I mean, is that a coincidence or... Or uh, didn't you guys think that Jar Jar Binks was going to have a bigger role throughout the trilogy? Wasn't he a Sith Lord? Wasn't he supposed to be the, the Chewbacca of the prequel movies? I don't know. I thought, I didn't think there was, a, I didn't think he pulled back on Jar Jar because of what fans said. I thought Jar Jar was just out because that was the course of his story in the prequels and that was it. Oh man, I don't know. I think that he would have figured out a way to include him on some of these adventures somehow. Uh, I think very much he was pulled back on because um, because of fan reaction. Whether he would admit that or not, I think that it was... It was he just had to. Yeah, I agree. But I've... But I don't know. I mean, like... You know what? I think George Lucas probably would never admit that, yeah, I did this because I, I think this is what maybe the fans wanted to see. But the movies got better. You know, like, I think he stumbled with the first two, but really, like, figured a lot of things out with episode three. I mean, well, people it's hard to come really back like to one. directing after being off. How, what, what was the, um, the span of time between the last movie that he directed. The last and the movie he directed was A New Hope, 1977. <laughs> Phantom Mass was 1999. So that's quite a bit of time. I think there's going to be some rust that you have to knock off. Plus, yeah. he was also at that point reinventing the entire way that films are made. That he right. took now, everything to digital, and he was maybe using some of those fancy, nice toys a little bit too much. He was actually. He wasn't the director of record on Return of the Jedi. Richard Marquand was, but mm -hmm. he, by all accounts, was on set a lot. And I think he really kind of pushed the direction of that movie. Um, a lot more so than, I think, Irvin Kirshner had a lot more latitude to work with on The Empire Strikes Back. But I think George which, wanted something completely different for the second Star Wars. I think There's so, so much too. pressure to do do Star Wars again, give yeah. us the same kind of an adventure, and that's not what he wanted to apparently do. Apparently, Irvin Kirshner, he went with him because he respected him. He knew he was a good filmmaker, and I think he was a, a mentor to George Lucas. And, you know, he wasn't, like, at the top of some kind of Hollywood A-list that, you know, like, like, by today's standards, you know, I, I don't know who it would be by today's standards, but... You know, George Lucas wasn't looking at like Christopher Nolan and 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 God, I fucking kill myself if Christopher Nolan does and, Star Wars movie. Uh, David Fincher and I don't know who else. Uh, Tim Burton, whoever. Right? Mm -hmm. He just went with somebody that was appropriate to make the movie. So I don't know. I'm pretty happy with JJ. I think he is appropriate to make this movie, especially given the you know the way that the trilogy was started. But um, I agree with that. So, Paul, moving on to another topic, another film that they're going to be making another movie with a new director is uh, Man of Steel 2. Uh, the rumors are, and they're strong enough where this guy is talking about what he would do with the movie. The rumor is that Matthew Vaughn, the, the Kingsman's own Matthew Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn also has some uh, history making other comic book movies with X-Men First Class, I believe. Yeah, yeah. 
So he's talking about maybe who did who did X three? Uh, that was Brett, Rat- Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. Oh, Rush Hour fame. <laughs> Rush Hour fame. Yeah. Rush Hour. What a piece of Great shit. Movie. That Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner did another movie just recently that I think I liked. Oh, I am it, but um, <clears throat> I don't know. I hate him forever for X three. You know, uh, I'm a fan of A Man of Steel two being done. I don't. I I, I saw. I didn't see um, the Kingsman movies. I saw First Class, but I really don't know anything about Matthew Vaughn or his resume or what he could possibly bring to Superman. Um, my concern is, well, not, not my concern, but like what I I want a good solo Superman movie. I want one that isn't. Um, I want one that isn't. Uh, Tied into the greater DC cinematic universe? No, not even that. I think you can tell, you can tell one tied into the universe, and it'd be a good Superman movie. Um, I don't want it to be div- divisive, like because Man of like Man of Steel's a good movie for fifty percent of the people that saw it, and the other okay. fifty hate it. Like no one's ever like, Meh, Man of Steel was okay. So like, I just want. I love Superman. What kind of reaction would you want from the people? Like, what? What's it, a comparable it, film? It reaction. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, I want Brian Chapinski so you, to be the only one in in North America saying, "I didn't like this movie." So you want people to say, "Man, that Man of Steel! All the kid bar- little bits and parts were really cool, but uh, yeah, it was kind of creepy. It was yeah. kind of that Man of Steel was creepy." Yeah, I, I Henry Cavill is the most wasted. DC Universe resource right now. He is charismatic, charming, funny. He is warm, friendly, and they're not using Based on that. what? Based on... Interviews? Based on a handful of scenes in Man of Steel, based Bleed on interviews, <laughs> based on Man from <laughs> Uncle. You're in the movie? And uh, Twitter Like he's, he's capable of really being a good successor to Christopher Reeve, but they're not giving him the, the subject matter to work with. If Matthew Vaughn can come in and give us a really good Superman story, like Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason are giving us in the current Superman comic book, then I'm, I'm all in. Uh, I'm happy that they're making a Man of Steel 2. At the same time, the powers that, that be at Warner Brothers can never get out of their own way. So, who the fuck knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't remember what scenes you're talking about where, um, Henry Cavill is charming and charismatic in Man of Steel. Uh, I don't think those were any of the adjectives that I think of when I think about the way that he was in those movies. I think he was a little, a lot more, uh, monotone and, and somber and not, necessarily as a bad thing that was just the tone of the movie and and that's what he did right i think I'm saying he, he has it in him yeah he's capable yeah of- i agree although i think they you know to get the guy to carry on the christopher lee the christopher reeve legacy they had him already that was brandon routh i thought that he captured the essence of that character much more closely to what christopher reeve but it did. was almost a caricature 
No, it wasn't. A, a caricature would have been an exaggerated, silly version of it. This was just closer to it. It was closer okay. to that performance. It was an impression. It was, it was much closer to the Paul McGinty version of Han Solo versus the uh, the Alden Ehrenreich Ace Ventura version of Han Solo. I'm a fan of a lot of Superman Returns. I'm a big fan of Brandon Routh. But Brandon Routh was doing an impression of Christopher Reeve. Because it was essentially, it was, um, what's the director's name? Richard Donner. It was Brian Singer's Superman 3. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon Routh was uncanny as Christopher Reeve being Clark Kent. He was really good at it, but um, Henry Cavill is his own guy. He's his own Clark Kent. He's his own Superman. And he has the potential to be just as warm and friendly as Christopher Reeve was, but by doing his own thing. He just hasn't been given the material to do it in yet. Well, that may be, but I think Brandon Routh just had I, all the qualities that you might um, expect from Superman. They were already on display in the movie that he played the character. Uh, he, the only thing missing were the muscles that Henry Cavill has in spades. I think that what um, Matthew Vaughn is talking about doing. He, he wants to bring back the color and the heroism and the, what was the other word that he used? The, um, the feel good, the feel good nature of the character. I think in order to bring those three elements to a sequel to Man of Steel and, and also an extension of the um, Batman v Superman stuff, you have to drastically change the, the overall tone of that character that they've introduced. You have to change the, the tone of those movies, both visually and, and emotionally. And um, I'm okay with that. I think they should do that. I think I would prefer if it, mimicked some of the qualities that the Richard Donner movies had obviously removing a lot of the campiness particularly from uh Superman 2. You guys saw the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, right? That was mm-hmm. the better version, right? Yeah, I think so. Right. Is that would you agree with that? Paul? I don't remember. It well, Superman 2 is kind of cheese ball mm. a lot of the time. Well, a lot of that is because of whoever Richard the Lester. Yeah. Richard Donner's version of it was not like that. And oh, speaking of that, Richard Donner makes half of that movie, gets removed, and then Richard Lester comes in and finishes full it. circle. Damn you, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, I didn't know Kathleen Kennedy was doing it yeah, all the I, way back then. I think you can do a really good Man of Steel too. In this universe, they're already taking steps to lighten things up. Uh, you know, visually... Every it's still it's still action at midnight. <laughs> Everything happens in the dark. Yeah, these movies are the worst to see in 3D because you know the 3D glasses make it a shade darker. Yeah. Jeez, but like it's I hard think to we're... go a shade darker than pitch black. Yeah, right. You've come full circle. It starts to get light again. I, I think it's it's absolutely possible to change the tone enough that is that it is a, a feel good heroic story about the Man of Steel, about a real Superman, not the 
novice I don't know what I'm doing version in Man of Steel or mm -hmm. the dark brooding version in Batman v Superman. Maybe after he comes back to life, yeah. he's like, man, I really appreciate living now. I'm going to be happy. <laughs> They should have got. They should get Lord Miller on that thing. We can get some. Yeah, right. Man of Steel Superman coming out of Doomsday's asshole. It, given given the way that the Matthew Vaughn movies have kind of played out, the Kingsman, the first Kingsman was really good. Uh, I I think that uh, X Men First Class is good. I don't think it's great, but it has the proper tone. I think, and I think that. I think, based on Kingsman, it seems like Matthew Vaughn is getting better at making movies. So I think if he had the keys to Superman, he would do good things with him. I I, I would love that. You know, I'm I'm about officially off of the uh, Zack Snyder train. Like, I I think I defended him for a while, but I, he just doesn't seem like the right fit to be kind of spearheading an entire cinematic universe for such iconic characters. Now, maybe that'll change after the Justice League movie because I, I will admit, when I see previews for it, I think it looks pretty good. I think it looks pretty good. But do we think that there's already like a narrative that's going to be baked into the Justice League? That's what I'm afraid of. Where anything bad that we don't like, fans will blame Zack Snyder. Anything good that we do like, then... um Ah, oh, jeez, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. I, I, I just lost his name right there. And Joss happens. Whedon. Joss Whedon will get the credit for that. I think that that's a possibility. Uh, I, I guess I don't really care though. I mean, yeah. Just, I just hope it's good. But would, what I'm saying is, I don't know if that's it's going to be enough to get you back on the the Snyder Express. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but I mean, whatever. Uh, I think that given the success of Wonder Woman, it doesn't matter about Zack Snyder anymore, I don't think. Uh, I think it's a Patty Jenkins show. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to take all their cues off of that movie going forward in terms of tone. You know, does it have the right amount of jokes? Does it have the right character chemistry? All that stuff. And, uh, I think they're going to be a lot less interested in, you know, Zack Snyder's um, visual prowess as much as they are in Patty Jenkins' storytelling abilities. Yeah, so, I think Patty Jenkins, her, um, her, her artistic vision of Wonder Woman and some of those scenes were every bit as, as visually captivating as what Zack Snyder put out there. So, uh, I don't know. Wonder Woman the, looked pretty damn good. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, like, there were certain ways that Zack Snyder sets up the shot that it it feels like a panel comes to life, right? With certain angles and things that, frankly, no other director seems to capture. Um, you know, and some people would say to a fault that Zack Snyder basically bringing panels to life isn't. It's not apples to apples, comic book panels in films. So like it it really shouldn't be that literal. But I like it. I. Personally, I think it's pretty cool, and I wish that there was a little more color, a little more smiles and upbeatness to it, but mm -hmm. I, I we all do. I, I don't think that's what Zack Snyder can do. I mean, Watchmen, 300, they all have like this filter of, of 
dread. Apparently, that's a color, right? <laughs> you have really you have funny. you have orange, blue, and yeah. dread. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anything's gonna save Justice League at this point. Um, at best, I imagine not I'll even think Superman. No. When it comes in to save the day, no. Well, unless they pull a fucking Force Awakens and he doesn't even save the day, they save the day saving for Justice League Two. Mm. Yeah, like I, I don't like just if ju- if I give Justice League better than a six, I will be shocked, and that is the absolute high end for what I'm expecting from this movie. Uh, I think maybe they can reset the table a little bit after Justice League because there's been so much done for Justice League so far that it was already done by the time Wonder Woman came out and they were like, oh, maybe we can do a little bit more of this. Too late. Uh, I haven't seen any, and like, I don't want to see, I haven't seen anything from Justice League to tell me different. Um, I don't think I'm going to because it comes out in a couple months. And I also don't want to see anymore because I don't want to see half the fucking movie like they did with Batman v Superman. Don't show me anything else. I'm all good. Just let let it fucking ride. Use a couple TV spots from the shit that you already showed us. Just fucking go. I don't need to see anything else. But I think after Justice League, that's when Warner Brothers has a really good opportunity to, to course correct and go in different directions. And I also don't know why they're not fast-tracking using Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam while he's at his peak. By the time they get to them, or by the time they get to him, who knows? Maybe the the Dwayne Johnson star is a little less shiny. They still don't have Shazam cast yet, do they? No, but that's the one they're fast-tracking, and they've said Black Adam's not even going to be in that. What? Yes, that's what... That's, That's what sp- Warner Brothers has said because it's a fucking disaster over there. Why Warner Brothers? And this is the company that wants to make a Joker origin movie. So also the worst. Yeah, nobody idea. wants to see that. I don't care if it's an Elseworlds tale, which is I guess a word being bandied about in Warner Brothers DC movie studios. I don't fucking care. No one wants to see that. No one wanted to see it'll bit Boba Fett either. Nobody likes it. Use that as a lesson. This is a really... Boba Fett's a super cool character. We don't need to see him as a kid. Joker's a really cool character. Don't need to see him as a kid. Just don't fucking do it. It's fucking stupid. Anybody Anybody else have any last words on Man of Steel 2? Uh, I hope Matthew um, Vaughn does direct it. I think that would be cool. Uh, I like that... Um, what's his name? Matt Reeves is doing uh, Batman. Yeah, Matt Reeves of Planet of the Apes fame. Yeah, and he seems like an appropriate fit. I I'm starting to like the idea of these directors, like a Patty Jenkins or a Matt Reeves, coming in and and just doing the character, not necessarily throwing the the Matt Reeves style on it so you fucking know it's a Matt Reeves movie. No, no, no. I want to know it's a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Or I want to know it's Superman. I don't necessarily need all the style points. Um you know, like I think we've I curious because you love the Zack Snyder style points. I do. Does uh, that ship sail you're done with that? He he was just saying he had one 
foot off of the train, which is problematic. Now he does. Um, well, I I love what he brings to the table visually, but I I don't think that it has translated into the the movies being as good as they could be. I I just don't know if like I kind of wish that he co-directed movies like if him and Joss Whedon went into this shit together mm-hmm. like I think we would have maybe gotten a better product uh, starting with Man of Steel and all the way through Batman v Superman um, you know I, I love I love the Sam Raimi style though and it worked perfectly for Spider-Man so maybe it's if there is a very stylistic director maybe it just has to be the right style for the movie because like Tim Burton's Batman was pretty cool for what it was too mm-hmm. so I don't know I'm full of contradictions Paul now you're a riddle wrapped in an enigma that sounds like something on the extra value meal at Taco Bell it sounds like it would clear up any constipation toot sweet if I could get like a, a chalupa wrapped in a crunch wrap oh you see mm, that new daddy. You see that new thing that they have where it is a it's a breakfast sandwich where the shell is a egg somehow like a deep fried no. egg is the shell but seems, I'm going tomorrow morning. I I'm sure test it out let the listeners know. I think, I, think. I, I don't know what it's called but I did see an advertisement for it and made me want to throw up. So let me know how that tastes. Yeah. I like I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I'm I'm all in. Anything Taco Bell wants to roll out at me, I'm all in. Uh, unless it's something rice based, get your fucking rice out of my out of my fucking tacos and burritos. Paul, Just give me the good stuff. Give me the meat, cheese, beans. Bring it. Get your what, rice out of here. What if Taco Bell brings out some candy corn? Real quick note on candy corn. I don't like candy corn. Um, Nobody does. Right. Incorrect. I do. Okay. Uh, really? But, Ian... Yeah, we've been over this. Yeah, this is true. How long have we done this show? Yeah. I don't so know. I guess I somehow put it out of my mind because it couldn't Candy be real. Candy corn is generally the um, reviled uh, stepchild of the Halloween candy family. Nobody really likes candy corn. Every so often, one in three people like <laughs> likes candy corn. But, Ian, you can even... You know... Candy corn doesn't get the respect you think it deserves. No, I uh, no, I think it gets a, a a reasonable amount of respect for a solid seasonal candy. I and this bit where you're going to say that hipsters have now adopted it and there's this uprising of candy corn prominence. Like, no, that's just how people fucking react to candy corn. It's good. It's seasonal. You only eat it once in a while. You have a bag. It's over. Like. It ha- like it's a popular thing, and it always has been. You just don't like it. I don't think it. I don't. It hasn't been so outspoken as it has been this year. I get, you know, you get your. I want to be cutesy, clever, and say I like candy corn bullshit, people. But it's always <laughs> it's always in the minority. Bullshit people. The, it's uh, always a- <laughs> the majority of people. But continue. It's not the. It's not the majority of people. Can't don't roll your eyes. Everybody knows candy corn is generally disliked. I'm not disputing the fact that people really like it. What my point of view this year is Is that people really like it. (laughs) Is that so far the the vocal minority 
are really fucking vocal this year. I am seeing more candy corn support this year than I ever have, and it isn't even October yet. And well, I, I think that's a general stand. I think it's a general Halloween. It's it's. I wouldn't even blame candy corn or the holiday of Halloween. Blame retail. Blame Christmas. Actually, if we're gonna do blame this, Christmas because for candy corn. Let's hang with me for a second. <laughs> Because Christmas is boxing out all the other holidays and pushing them out and gobbling up fucking weeks and months out of the calendar year, other holidays have to retreat and they're going backwards or heading back towards the summer, even though it's totally inappropriate for Halloween to be this far back into September. We're in the middle of September right now. I don't want to see candy. I like candy corn. I don't want to see candy corn on the shelves, but you can buy it right now. It should be an, an October thing, but unfortunately, seeing, the ground has been taken up by other holidays. I'm seeing retweets of people putting candy corn on pizza. That's disgusting. Those people should be... You know what should happen to those people? This is the candy corn mania that I'm talking about. Yes, theater justice, but in their homes, so just murder. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just just oh, just your standard home invasion. Home invasion, <laughs> ending with a decapitation, of course. You know why you deserve this because you there ate is, candy corn in yeah, September. There's like, just a fervent, fervent, you know, uprising of candy corn this year, and I don't like. I get it. Like people like candy corn, but this year seem it seems to have really taken on a hipster nature that people are really rallying around candy corn because it's cool to like candy corn not because you really like that shitty candy i don't think it my, i don't think it's genuine i really don't i know you think this is Ian, ironic uh candy corn I ian i know your candy corn love is genuine because it's been unwavering ian, since we've met it's, it's like, been documented do you I know. like it because it tastes good or do you like it because of what it represents it's kind of like oh matt it, great it's question. it's just straight sugar and i like sugar but, um, I don't eat bags of it at a time. I have like a handful here and there. But Sour Patch if we're Kids gonna are get straight down, sugar. Yeah, but it has... And no, you're not sucking their dick. Nah, I mean, Sour Patch Kids right. are fine. They're but, good. But the Gummy bears is like, are straight sugar. I like you those. You were just saying that you don't want to see that shit in the middle of September, right? But if you really love the taste that right. much, you'd be eating that stuff up. But it's more like, well, hey, it that this, only needs to be out at what is Halloween. This? It is a seasonal thing. I really like pumpkin beers. But I don't want to see it, even even though I drank them all this weekend. <laughs> you know who um, else likes pumpkin beers? Hypocrite. Nope. Hipsters. Yeah, uh, uh, look out, hipsterian. Mm. I'm Ian, wearing the Star Wars shirt. Ian Seriously, Shipster. not ironically. <laughs> Ian Hipsley? Hipsley. <laughs> Shipster? Shipster. Yeah, there, there, there just seems to be a, a big push for candy corn this year. So, McSauce Nation... Uh, hit us up. Uh, be honest. If you if if you're just playing pretend that you like candy corn, just if you're let a us, lipstick let candy us know. corn lover, right? Uh, you if, just do it for the attention of if boys. You really, if, if you really like it, uh, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know. I I think it's that old comic smell. Save your fucking tweets. I heard your episode where you hated on candy corn. <laughs> My boys, I love you guys, but. I know you're going to be on Paul's side, so just save it. 
Yeah, let us know, candy corn yay. <laughs> Hashtag candy corn yay. Hashtag candy corn nay. Hit us up all across our our social media. I need to know where McSauce. Paul, let me stands. just be clear on where you stand on it. Do you hate it or you're just like kind of like meh? Oh, I think it's gross. You know, I I don't know if I think it's totally gross. Like I I think I was pretty hard on it for a while, but I just sat here and I thought, how much do I actually dislike the taste of it? And while it's not my go-to, like for me, if I have a basket of candy, I'm going for the Reese's peanut butter cups, right? That is my go-to Halloween candy. Now, I know we've talked about it before you don't feel that it's Halloween candy necessarily, but it's the one that I think of, right? You get they're the perfect ones to throw in in the basket. Anyway, um I don't think they're disgusting. There are some candies that are fucking gross, like black licorice. Ooh. Or those, I like oh, black rick, licorice oh. too. Oh. What's right. the fucking matter with you? Or or um sour apple jolly ranchers. That's or, that crazy. That you don't like that. those? I like sour shit. Is there anything you don't like, Ian? You um, like everything. Just keep naming stuff and I'll Circus let you know. peanuts are pretty gross. Those aren't good. They they're, taste like banana. You know why? Yeah, they're because rude. they're like the fresher version of candy corn. Well, and more and what about Biddle Honeys? I don't even know what those are. Is this cultural? Are you, neither of you know what Biddle Honey is? Biddle no. Honey? They're like, they're Let me guess, about like a little bit. They're about an inch, oh, honey. inch long, oh, half like. an inch wide. They're just a really hard caramel Ooh. like a honey caramel that that sounds like that would stick my teeth completely oh together. yeah it's like fucking glue i've never had those so oh, I yeah can't i know really what the packaging is i don't know if like you the, like those i like the taste yeah i don't like the consistency you don't like the ensuing <laughs> dental work but i don't like i don't like chewy candy like i don't way, really like yeah. gummy bears or sour patch kids or gummy bit worms, of honeys gummy yeah. worms uh, Swedish fish. I don't like I chewy candy. Fish. I like Swedish fish. Do you like um, that? And you know what? I'll give candy corn a pro on that on that tick mark. That it's a consistency. I'm on board. I just don't like the flavor. Flavors. Yucky. Do you like milk? You wouldn't like milk duds. Yeah, milk either. duds are okay. They're more right. like powdery, crunchy, and then they disappear. No, I think you're thinking of Whoppers. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, milk, milk Duds, duds will also milk duds, glue no. your teeth milk together. Duds but I like are, those. You're right. Whoppers, yes. Milk Duds, no. Milk Duds are like the candy version of eating crab legs. There's you, The work you have to put in for such a little bit of candy. For Milk Duds? Really? Yeah? You think? You don't There's have to like crack There's like four the, that come in a Milk Dud. You don't have to crack box. open the chocolate no, lobster. No, it's not the same kind of work, but <laughs> it's not. Isn't, the, isn't that the... Isn't that a code word for your butthole? The chocolate, <laughs> chocolate lobster? lobster. <laughs> yeah. But um, like, what I mean is you have to put in a certain degree of work to get the good stuff, right? Yeah. Like to eat a milk dud. It's, it's like eating peanuts from the shell or pistachios where you're kinda, like, like breaking them open. Right, there's and, a certain amount of work to get to the satisfaction of actually consuming something. Yeah. In Milk Dud's case, it's just kind of wrestling with it in your mouth as opposed to wrestling with a shell and you're trying to get that like when you eat a, a crab leg, it's like unsheathing Excalibur. You're describing the chocolate lobster. I am <laughs> just wrestling with it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> hey McSauce Nation, which kind of candies do you like to fillet? Let us know. <laughs> 
Also, one last note, Taco Bells. The thing you're looking for, Paul, is the naked breakfast taco with a fried eggshell. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. McSauce Nation, if you're still with us this episode, Matt and I are going to be at the Erie Comic Con this weekend. Uh, probably after you listen to this episode, but if you're an early listener, if you get to it, Thursday evening, Friday morning, you have plenty of time to make the quick trip to Erie, Pennsylvania. Come see Matt and I get some new Pennywise buttons, some new Pickle Rick prints. We're going to have a lot of fancy shit at the McSauce table, and we are bringing it in person to you. Grassroots effort! And if you want to see the real star of the McSauce comic book podcast i will be in baltimore this weekend you can also get pennywise prince and pickle rick down there so don't anybody try to break into our houses or anything this weekend while none of us are around Eh, you know i thought there was gonna be a because we're putting candy corn on pizza joke in there but there wasn't i think that's gonna do it for us tonight a little bit of directorial talk a little bit of candy talk i'm sure there there's going to be more candy talk in the coming weeks because we are two weeks away from mcsauce arguably mcsauce nation's favorite four weeks of mcsauce we'll have, we're Paul. talking candy talk we're talking ghost talk we're talking serial killer talk we're probably gonna talk some theater justice talk we're definitely talking cereal we always talk haunted cereals so we'll get into it paul why don't you tease uh what we got next week Next week, we are going to talk to our buddy Jeff, who runs the Arkham Asylum comic book shop. Arkham Gift Shop. Arkham Gift Shop comic book shop. We are going to hear from a guy behind the scenes on what it takes to run a comic book shop. The ins and outs, the dirty details, the highs, the lows. Tune in. And even the middle range stuff, right in right in the middle were we gonna talk the middle I thought we were strictly high, highs, highs and, lows. and lows we are we are kind of like Reese's one Cups extreme. and candy corn yeah no one's right. we're not talking Snickers here you got that right I, everything should be on scales of candy from now on it's like hey uh, you know you ready to do some polynomics you know I'd say what I'd we, say it's maybe like a pixie stick and and maybe a bag of goldfish. Yeah, we have to we have to Swedish agree fish. as a podcast on what the worst candy is. <laughs> we'll get. I there. would rather I would rather have goldfish than Swedish fish. Get the fuck out of here! I would rather that. have. Are you, are you wait? Are you both serious? I. You'd rather have Swedish fish. I guess you know what? It, it's two different things. It's sweet and savory. It isn't. <laughs> Well, no, you're right. You're right. It is it the is. fluidity of facts. <laughs> you're right. It is swimming along things. with the fishes. It is sweet. One is savory. One is sweet. But like, I mean, you don't get a choice. You get one <laughs> or the other. Uh, I don't know. I I I feel like I could eat goldfish at more times of the day. Boom, huh? goldfish, Swedish fish. Fuck you. That's gonna do it for us tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. With Ian, me, as always, are it, uh, Ian Sharpley. I prefer Swedish fish, and I'm Matt Casal. Thanks for joining us tonight. See you later. <laughs>